Well, I hope you've got that refill on that coffee and maybe a donut or two. Uh, we're going to go into our teaching time. So this is a time where we orient ourselves uh, to Jesus and in the Bible and and talk about faith. Uh, we've been in a series, just to give a quick recap, called Bless. This is the last week of that series. Um, and I'm excited to have a dear friend with me uh, today named Go- Gabe um, Kolstad. Um, when I got to this city, for those of you who don't know, Generations is a church plant that we're coming up on four years. We'll ce- celebrate our fourth birthday in October. And when I landed in this city, I wanted to figure out what God was up to in this city. And so I met with a lot of different pastors and uh, Asked for insight, uh, and Gabe was so open-handed about what with what God was doing with resources. They've been a partner with Generations in what we're doing here since the beginning. Um, he's the lead pastor at Westside Community Church, and they have been so instrumental in supporting, giving us ideas and support over the last four years. So I am super excited to have Gabe here with us uh, today. And so. If you want to know what teaching passage we're going to be looking at today, we're going to be in John chapter 9, and I'm just going to read verses 1 through 11. So the verses will be on the screen. Uh, You can also just listen to me and let the word soak into your soul, or you can open up your own Bible. Hey, and by the way, if you do not have a Bible, your own physical paper Bible that you would like to be able to read, write, look at, we have them for you. Please uh, come grab one, whether actually over here or raise your hand and one of our team members will run one to you uh, as fast as they can without tripping um, and making sure uh, that that you can have a Bible for yourself. So give you a moment to get there. John chapter 9 verse 1 and it says this, as he was passing by he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents or that he was born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered. This came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. We must do the work of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After he said these things, he spit on the ground, made some mud from saliva, and spread it on the mud on his eyes. Go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he left, washed, and came back seeing. His neighbors and those who had seen him before as a, bigger, as a beggar said, Isn't this the one who used to sit begging? Some said, He is the one. Others were saying, Nobody looks like him. He kept saying, I'm the one. So they asked him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and told me, go to Siloam and wash. So when I went and washed, I received my sight. Where is he, they asked. I don't know, he said. Let me pray for us. God, you are good. Speak to us this morning. We need a word from you. Hope our hearts and minds be receptive to who you are and what you've done. As Gabe speaks, may we hear the words from you, Lord, that you have for us this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. morning. Raspberry Beret 
uh, is probably my song, Kyle, that makes me happy, uh, by Prince. And so uh, that was a great question to get everybody talking and thinking together. Um, it's great to be here, and uh, my wife Melissa is with me, and we are just thrilled. We are literally just thrilled to see what's happening at Generations Church. I mean, it's been such a wonderful thing to watch from uh, Beaverton, and then to come up and, and hang out. And to, we've been part of the partnership team here. We've been um, connected to Kyle and John, and, and everything's going on, and it's just been wonderful. And you, you, you don't know uh, until somebody tells you what you're experiencing. For those of you who've been, how many of you guys have been here like sort of early on? You were part of Generation Church, anybody? Okay. So several of you. And what you don't know is that this is weird um, <laughs> in a really good way. Like, like what's happening at Generations Church is unusually good. Um, it's, you know, you might not know that Kyle and Ruth picked one of the hardest places in America to plant a church at one of the hardest times in the entire history of the world. And, uh, and so what's going on here is really, really positive, really good. God is with you guys. It's obvious. All right. Yeah. Give God a hand for that. It's really cool. I mentioned Raspberry Beret from Prince. Um, anybody know who Prince is? The artist? Okay. Yeah, the weird symbol, you know, artist formerly known as Prince. Did you know that when Prince died, they went into his uh, vault and uh, they found way more music that he never did release than that he did release? And it's interesting to think about what would have happened if Prince had had the courage. Maybe it was, was it courage? Was it time? Was it, what, what, was, what kept him from releasing all that music? And how come we still haven't heard it? You know, how come we still don't know what all the wonderful things that could have been in Prince's vault, if you're a Prince fan? Um, you know what? Actually, I wonder if the same thing is true about a lot of people. They die, and then somebody goes into the vault and is like, oh my gosh, look at all the great things that God did for this person. Look, look what they could have done with their life. Look what they could have released, you know, and blessed people with but they didn't. They kept it right in the vault and waited until they were dead for someone else to open it up and find out what that was. And um, you know what? That's not how I'm going to live my life. And I, and I hope that's not how you're going to live your life, Amen. is that let's open the vault now, Amen. right? There's a vault that God has, has, has been doing things in your life. And that's really what this series is about. How do you bless people? You have to be willing to be open. Amen. And as you've been going through this series, I know you've sort of discovered some of those things. But um, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Here's, here's one. Do you believe your story is worth sharing? I th you know, I, honestly, to me personally, I struggled with that for years and years and years. And here's why. I, um, I came to faith in Jesus Christ when I was five years old. And so for some of you, that might sound really weird. Some of you who are watching online, you might be like, how could anybody even know you know, what that was about at five and all. I mean, unique story. My parents taught us early, had some great role models and all that stuff. But the truth is, I've tried to tell my story before where like, you know, I was five. I was addicted to crack. I, you know, you know, like my story is not very, it's not very glam. I mean, I'm five. You know, I probably took a cookie from the cookie jar and felt guilty, you know, and, 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 and that's my story. Right, so I've often thought my story's not, it's not a great story. Like, I don't have that story that's a great one to tell. Um, but I do, actually, and I'm going to get into that in a little bit. 
Uh, the problem is, is that you'll never, people around you will never know what you're really about unless you prepare to share. And that's what I want to encourage you about today. We're talking about share, the last S in bless, share. So you, you, you have to prepare to share in order for it to actually be something that, that works, that God can use. God can use you and your story, but you have to prepare to share. It means you have to be willing to put the work in. It's like the great coach once said, it's not the will to win that counts, it's the will to prepare to win that counts. And that's the same thing with your story. It's the will to prepare to win. So when you're in those moments and God gives you this green light or there's an open door and all of a sudden somebody that you can have an impact on, you've done the work, you are ready to do that. Um, any, any great sales business is going to prepare their employees for an elevator pitch, right? Where you get stuck on an elevator for two floor, floors with somebody and you can tell the company story in two floors, you know? And the same thing can be true of you and me. For us to become ready to prepare to share is, is a way that God will use us. Here's the thing, and I brought this today. I just didn't know what your sound system was like today, so I was unsure. Um, this is probably what a lot of us picture, though, when we talk about the subject at hand, which really, if you, if you want to put the hard word to it, is called evangelism. Evangel is a Bible word means the good news. Evangelism is sharing the good news. A lot of times we, we picture this, and if you've lived in Portland through the pandemic, you, this is like a PTSD moment right now. You know, you don't want to see, nobody wants to be on the receiving end or even on the giving end of one of these, Right. And when it comes to the thing of evangelism, this might be the thing that keeps us from wanting to tell our story because we think, I have to do it like that, and I don't want to do it like that. In fact, most of us are not only convinced but convicted that that's not the way we should do the work that we're talking about. So then how else do you do it? We were, uh, a while back, we were with our, our oldest son, Melissa and I, by the way, uh, on Thursday, we celebrated our 35th year since our first kiss. It was, it was. And we've been married for 28 years, but uh, we kissed way early on. And, uh, and so we were, we were stuck with each other after that. But, but um, we have three kids. Dawson's 24 and lives in, in Italy now with his wife, but uh, when he was in town, we were hanging out with him. We have another, we have a daughter named Caitlin, she's 22, and we have a son named Caleb, he is almost 19. Um, and so we were with Dawson, our oldest, uh, and he is like the most outgoing social person that I, that I know. And he will ha he'll strike a, a conversation up with anybody for any reason at any time, and it, and it goes on for a long time. And so he's just one of those people, you know? So we're um, actually down in Santa Cruz, where he was living at the time, and we were out by the lighthouse, and he uh, saw there was this dude with a parrot, this big parrot, and it was like it was his best friend. I mean, he, he was talking to people about it and stuff like that, and I'm thinking, what a weirdo, you know? <laughs> and my son Dawson's thinking, how interesting. And so he goes over, and he's like, how old is your parrot, you know, and starts up this conversation, and all of a sudden, they're like best friends. And we, we now know the parrot's name. We know the parrot's birthday. We are invited to the parrot's birthday party. You know, I mean, it's like really, really uh, very friendly guy, and my son Dawson him hit it off. And it was interesting how in the moment there, they built enough rapport for Dawson to share what he was doing in Santa Cruz. So he was leading worship for a church on a mission, got to really share about kind of who he was and all that stuff. But that was not this kind of a conversation at all. You know, it was around something of common interest and it was about 
building some rapport. Uh, some people can do that faster than others. Takes me a couple years, takes him a couple minutes. Um, but it doesn't matter. I mean, the point is, is God's got you where he wants you. And your church is experiencing uh, a, whole, a whole wave of God's good work. And what's cool is that now as there's this core, as there's this nucleus of people who are coming around this, you're all being sent out as missionaries, right? You're all being sent out as missionaries in every single day where you live, work, and play. And to be prepared to share your story is the thing that God is going to use for the next wave. So I want to read you a, a verse from Acts 1, and you've heard it before, probably if you, if you grew up in church or if you've been around generations for a while, then I know you've heard this. Um, if, if not, this might be new, but this is Jesus' uh, words to the disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It's his commission to them, and he says this. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. He said witnesses, which is a witness is somebody who sees something and says something. And so he says, you're going to be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Kind of this cascading geographic splash that goes out. And, and where it starts at home, and then the wave goes out, and then the wave goes out, and then the wave goes out. And so you've been in this series called Bless, where you're beginning with prayer. Does anybody know what the L stands for? Listen, uh-oh, we got some good students in the house. Um, e, eat together. Uh, the first S last week? Serve. Serve, right? Do you see what's happening here? Is your start, it, this is really a matter of respect for people. Amen. You're beginning with prayer. Why? Because it would be, it'd be weird, rude, and ineffective just to start with this. Amen. Yes. Right? And aren't you glad that that's not how God started with you? You're starting where you should start at the beginning. You're beginning with prayer. You're, you're, you're not, and then you're not going, begin with prayer, you know, okay, now, bullhorn. No, you're going, listen, yeah. right? Why? Why are you going to listen? Um, because you want to know someone else's story before you try to share yours, uh, because God's going to teach you, and it's like Kyle shows up on the scene in Portland and doesn't just immediately start things. What does he do? He begins with prayer. Yeah. He listens to who? other pastors, other leaders, city leaders, business leaders, you know, um, neighbors, and he's listening. And that's, that's why, that's one of the reasons why God is so blessing this effort is that there's been this, this biblical format here, you know, of, of, of being a community presence. You're eating together. Why? Because you value people that you eat with, yeah. you know? Well, at his house. Yeah. All right. <laughs> He's never fed me at his house. Okay, yeah, let's talk about that. You're serving. Man, that's, I, I think this, I think service is the currency of influence in a postmodern culture, in a post-Christian culture. Service is the currency. This is how we, this is how we really change the world, is by showing up in a way that's tangible. Um, and Jesus did that so many times, didn't he? And then, then you share your story, because in a, in a way you have to earn the right to be heard. And uh, that's generally how God seems to work in, in big ways. We, uh, my, my wife and I, we've lived in the same cul-de-sac for 17 years. And um, some interesting things are starting to happen. All of a sudden, it's like about a year ago, something shifted. And we have literally, our church uses these invite cards. And, you know, our church is really, like, we, we encourage people to go share their faith, share their church, invite people to church and all that. And so we want to lead the way in that. And, and so we've invited all of our neighbors to church, you know, a lot of times. 
And so now, you know, I think if we walked toward our neighbor with, a, with an invite card, they'd be like, no, you know, I know, I know. Um, so last summer, this new, new neighbor moves in, and his name's Kiki, and his wife's name's Debbie. And so he shows up, we start talking in the, in the cul-de-sac, and I get to know him just a little bit, and, uh, and he says, we used to live in this area, and we missed it so much we wanted to come back, because in this area... Uh, it seems like there's a little more community, and we like community, like to get together. And I was like, oh, well, we're doing this Fourth of July thing where we light off fireworks, and we, you know, we were thinking about having some food before for the neighbors. And he goes, well, I'm a caterer. And I said, are you? You know? And he, he goes, I could bring ribs. And I was like, yes, you could bring ribs. <laughs> Turns out Kiki makes the best ribs, and he made ribs for an army. And so our, our neighbors all got together. Last, this is last summer, Fourth of July. And I mean, and we all brought like food to go with Kiki's ribs, and we had the best time eating. But before we ate, he had all of his kids and family there and stuff, and, and he, he, goes, he goes, hey guys, we're going to eat. And he goes, the pastor is going to pray. And so um, I'm like, I am. Okay, I am. Uh, and so then someone else goes, well, shouldn't we like hold hands or something? And so our whole cul-de-sac is in this giant circle last last summer holding hands to pray. And I was, it was like a surreal moment because we've been like, we've been here for 16 years waiting for something like this to happen. And it's so cool, you know? Um, and then we, we thought it was such a good time. Let's do something again on Labor Day weekend. And we did. And almost the same exact thing happened. It was pretty cool. And, uh, and then this summer, we just had our 4th of July celebration and we didn't get to hold hands, but we did have a wonderful time. And we met some new neighbors and people were bringing their, their friends. And we even had some neighbors that weren't invited show up, um, you know, to come to the thing. Because it seems like there's something happening. But I guess my point in all that is, you know how slow sometimes this stuff goes? It's like you're planting a seed and you're watering a seed. And, and, and you know what the Bible says? And then God brings the increase. And it's sometimes it's in his time and it's not in my time. It would be a lot faster if it was in my time. But sometimes you just got to stick with it for a long, long time. I want to tell you that your story... Your story is intended to be a stepping stone for other people. And you might look at it as a stumbling block for other people. You might, you might think, if I were to tell you about my life, you would never want to know who Jesus is. But they're looking at it going like, would you please tell me about your life so that I'll know how I can connect with Jesus? Because that's how this works. A lot of times it's about these kind of like... Um, narratives that people believe about themselves. We were uh, with our son Dawson in this time when we met the parrot, and we also decided to go to the Winchester Mystery House in Santa Cruz, in uh, San Jose. Winchester Mystery House was this place that Sarah Winchester of the Winchester Rifle Company had uh, all this money, and she wanted to build this place. And she had been actually told by a medium that um, she basically was the target of evil spirits that were going to try and kill her. And, the, and then unless she kept building onto this house, uh, she was going to die. And so her narrative was, I have to build this house and I have to keep building this house because otherwise I'm going to die. And so she built onto this house and I think there was a hundred and some rooms. And she was so scared of these spirits that every night she would sleep in a different room so they wouldn't find her. You know, and she lived her life in this way. Because why? Because she believed a narrative. And I think sometimes you and I, we have to decide what narrative are we going to believe. 
not only, I mean, because about ourselves, because many of us could say, look, I'm the target of evil stuff. I'm, you know, I, I, it seems like all I do is attract negative. It seems like I'm, you know, doomed. But you have to decide, what am I going to believe? Because the Bible says lots of things about you. And it says, God says, I, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. And so if we can start believing what God says about us, then we also know we can share our story. When someone comes to you, and because I think one of the reasons why we don't like evangelism is not only because of this, but also because we don't know what to say. Kyle just mentioned, sometimes we have questions we don't know how to answer. What am I going to say if somebody asks me a question? And uh, I think what we, what we have to do is you don't have to know all the answers, but you do have to know how to share your story. Kyle read John 9. This is the man born blind, right? This story, this guy who, who he didn't do anything to deserve what happened. Just to repeat one of the, a few of those verses, John 9.1, it says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who'd been blind from birth. I mean, this is a huge disadvantage, right? And um, most of us have some kind of disadvantage. And so we look at that and we feel like that's going to keep us from God, but it didn't keep this guy from God. I like how the disciples hear, hear this and they go, okay, let's, let's have a debate. Let's, let's figure out why did this guy, why is this guy blind, you know? And so they're asking questions. How did he end up blind? What's the philosophy of it? Jesus recognizes this as a distraction from the mission. And he goes, no, that's not, the urgency is not on finding out why this guy's blind. The urgency is on knowing that I'm the light of the world and I'm going to help this guy. And so then it says in verse six, it says, then he spit on the ground, made mud with saliva. Jesus is going after this guy now, because he's like, you guys are distracted. I'm going to actually do what I came to do. I'm going to heal this guy. Spits on the ground, makes mud with saliva, and spreads the mud over the blind man's eyes. Now, our students just got back from summer camp on Friday at Black Lake Bible Camp, and I'm pretty sure this was one of the things they were doing at, you know, as one of their student, uh, like, stunts at, at Black Lake. I don't know. It sounds like a, it sounds like a high school uh, activity. Spit on the ground, make mud, and spread it on somebody's eyes, right? Uh, but actually, this was a common healing practice in the New Testament days. It really was. Uh, this was like healers would do this. And so Jesus actually follows suit, but in his case, it works. And it says, he told him in verse 7, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. I love that. I love that Jesus chose to go to a place where when the guy was healed, the whole name of the place was going to be, now you're sent. You're healed and you're sent. You're healed. Go do likewise, in other words, right? And so when he brings you to himself, he's going to do that. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was. Others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. And I think what I want to point out about that is the same stuff happens for you and me, but we don't let it happen. So they were like, there's such a drastic change in this man that we actually can't believe it's the same person. And sometimes there's a change happening in you, but you might be like Prince and you're going to put it behind the vault. You're like, I don't want anybody to see because I don't want to show up at work and anybody ask me any hard questions. And I don't want to have to do that conversation there. That'd be uncomfortable. So it's just in the vault because if they saw that, then, you know, now they're going to have a lot of questions. That's the point, right? <laughs> That's the point. It's curiosity that drives this kind of good news. Amen. Curiosity about who you are and how could you, you, be changed by God, right? 
Because if people, if people thought, well, you could be changed by God, then they might think, well, then maybe I could be changed by God. Amen. And there's, there's the magic. Verse 10, it says, they asked, who healed you and what happened? And he told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. And here's his, here's his summary statement. Beautiful. So I went and washed, and now I can see. That's it, right? And his story was that simple. I went, I washed, and now I can see. I was blind, and now I can see. And the question that I think you and I have to answer is, what change has God created in my life that I could tell other people about? It's about as hard as it is right there. What change has God created in my life that I could tell other people about? So I told you, I don't have a great story, you know? I tried to make it up. Five years old, I'm addicted to drugs, you know, had done some time, you know, all this stuff. It just doesn't work. But, but I, I'll tell you what, though. I, I have had God do so. Yeah, I have been miraculously healed twice in my life. Once when I was born with spina bifida, and once from a neck injury in 2015, November 18th. Um, dramatic. I, I, have, I have watched God do incredible things in my life. Um, I have been privileged to, to be the recipient of forgiveness over and over and over and over and over again, right? I've been blessed with an amazing wife and three beautiful children. I mean, I, so you start thinking about, well, what change has God created in your life that you didn't deserve or earn, you know? Oh my gosh, where do I start? You know, one of the things that happened to me as a kid, and I, I tell this actually fairly often, is, is that our family, I grew up creative. I've started saying that. I used to say I grew up poor. Now I say I grew up creative. And um, so when I was five, uh, we didn't have any food. And I remember my, my parents were like, hey, kids, you should pray that God brings us some food. Because they had no other way. That was it. We were down to that. You know, like, you know, you're desperate when it's the only thing you can do is pray. And that's what they said is, hey, kids, let's pray. And we prayed. I remember with me and my sister, we prayed along with my parents that God would bring us some food. This woman shows up at our house. Um, three-wheeled electric vehicle. She was, she was old. We knew she was old. We didn't realize she was that old. She was 150. Um, just kidding. Uh, but, you know, when you're five and somebody's like 50 years old, you're like, oh my gosh, you're so old. So this lady shows up and she brings us two bags of groceries. Thing is, she did not know that we needed food. She was from our church and God had told her that day, take food to this house. And she did. And I'll tell you what, my parents did the right thing. They got our attention. They said, you see, kids, what happens when you pray? I'll tell you what, I never had the same view of prayer. So as uh, my part of my journey is, I've watched God answer the most amazing prayers. This is my story, right? He's changed my life because it's him. And it doesn't matter if you've been to prison or been on drugs or not. He can change your life. So I want to give you three parts to your story. This is so simple. Picture a cross. Everybody do this without smacking your neighbor, okay? Somehow. All right. So on, on the left side of the cross, I want you to think about three parts to your story. The left side of the cross, the cross, and the right side of the cross. Okay, so we're going to start with the left side. And that is the first part of your story is before Jesus, B.C., before Christ, okay? So before Jesus, what was your life like? What did the blind man say? I was blind. Okay, so what was it like before Jesus came in? Have you ever thought about developing this, writing it out, actually having a prepared elevator pitch for your own story? Because if you will prepare, then God will give you a chance to share. 
And if, and if we don't, here's what I found out. If we don't, he won't. It doesn't happen. We're not ready. And he's looking for the ready. God's always looking for the ready, right? So if you make yourself ready, he's going to make you very useful, and it's going to be a very exciting journey. He said, I was blind. My uh, ex-brother-in-law, Tom, recently accidentally sent me a direct message on Instagram, and it was lucky that it was like, it wasn't an inappropriate message, but he, he just sent me this video, and he goes, oops, wrong person. And I was like, no problem. Hey, how you doing? And he just spilled his guts on Instagram, and he goes, oh, my word, you wouldn't believe, blah, 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 blah. And so he said, I wish we could talk sometime. And so I said, well, we can talk sometime. So I remember getting out in the front yard, and it was a nice night, so I laid down on my back on the grass, and I, and I was just talking to Tom. And he tells me that he can't pay his rent, and he can't believe it because, you know, he's, he's between a rock and a hard place. He's, he's close to disabled. He hasn't gotten a raise in a long time, but his rent was going to go way, way up. And I asked him a question. And here's where my story comes up. I said, Tom, do you believe in prayer? He said, yeah, I do. He said, I've been praying about a lot of stuff. I said, well, what if we prayed that your rent wouldn't go up? What if we prayed that your landlord would change their mind and, and somehow God would provide for you? I mean, what else would we have to lose? Let's pray for that. And so he goes, okay. So we pray. And I remember I'm on the phone, you know, on my lawn. And um, we prayed this audacious prayer because it was a pretty big one. He texts me two Fridays later and he goes, you're never going to believe this. He goes, my rent is not going up for the first time in 13 years. And he goes, there's hundreds of, of apartments in this complex. I'm the only one that's not getting a rent increase. You know, but this is the stuff, right? This is the stuff where God gets to show up. And so Tom's got this story brewing because I don't know where Tom is in his faith, but I know he just experienced something that's real. And he can point back to that at some point in time. Some people say about their story, I may not be where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. <laughs> But I think the important thing about this is to go, okay, B.C., before Jesus, what was it like? Miserable. Okay. And so can we put some words to that? Here's what, here, I was blind. Can we tell that story? You know, not glorify, I think we should never glorify our past, but can we, can we tell the story? Where was I? Where were you? And then the second part of your story is, is right here in the middle, Right. So it's, how did I meet Jesus? What was that encounter like where I met Jesus Christ? For the blind man, I mean, he said, he put mud on my eyes. I mean, it was just this weird moment where God met me and he put mud on my eyes. And, and it was, for him, it was physical. Maybe Jesus did that on purpose so that he would remember it. You know, it was physical. Um, and, and it changed him. A couple of weeks ago at our church, we did baptism. We do, my wife, Melissa, is our baptism coordinator. She directs all that and, and is on, on our growth team and helps people with that. And um, we'd been kind of promoting baptism, and, and, and she's done a great job with that. So we ended up with 14 people wanted to be baptized on Sunday a couple weeks ago. Problem is, they all want, we have two services. They all want to be baptized in the first service. And so we're like, 14 people in the first service. How are we going to make this happen? You know, we had to have like all these songs happen while the baptisms were going on. It was really fun. This one guy, Max, was there, and he, he was baptized. And we found out that he had actually prayed to receive Christ at our church the week before. So he prayed to receive Christ, was baptized one week later, and actually the next Sunday was on the drums, drumming. And our worship leader got to point this out last week. He's like, hey, everybody welcome, Max. I've got to tell you something. You know, two weeks ago, uh, Max didn't know Jesus. Last week... Uh, he was baptized, and today he's up here serving. And it was like this roar, right, of applause. Because why? Because we love that. Amen. 
because it gives all of us hope that God could actually work in our life. When I was five, I'm kneeling beside my bedside, and for me, the, the prayer of salvation, and I remember it like it was yesterday, was that I recognized that I needed grace. I had my sister on one side of me, my mom and my dad on the other side of me, kneeling down by my bedside, and it was as real to me as, as what Max went through, you know? So I can tell that story and say, look, I, I realize that, you know, it might not seem like I needed grace as much as Max did, but the truth is, is that I was a rotten little toddler, man. I really was. I, I ripped it up, man. I mean, I, 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 I was, even, as, even after that, you know, as a kid, obviously, there's many things that I did that were wrong, and I'm in need of grace. So how did Jesus put mud on your eyes? Could you write that out? You know, have you ever thought about making that story ready to share? Because if you get it ready, God will use it. One of the things that might be ringing around in your head right now is, I don't know. I don't know if I know what my story is. And I have to just say, if you're not sure what your story is, it's at least worth asking the question, have you met Jesus yet? Do you, do you want to know your story? Do you want to have the security and the peace of going like, no, I know that Jesus lives in me, that I have forgiveness that his life is in me, that I'm his child. And uh, you know, one of the things I want to do is pray with you in just a couple of minutes and give you that opportunity. If you've never said yes to Jesus, maybe you're online. Say yes to Jesus today. Don't wait. Make sure you got a story because God wants to tell a story through you. Now, there's the after Jesus part. So before Christ, how I met Jesus, and after Jesus, what's that like? The blind man said, now I can see. And it was... It was obvious, right? It was obvious to everyone that his life had changed. And I think the question is, what changes after you give your life to Jesus? I think that, don't you think that's what a lot of people want to know who might be like exploring faith, looking at it? You know, they're weighing their options. They're like, well, there's the Safeway version. There's the Winco version. There's, you know, for a lot of people, they're just out there going like, I don't know, religion, faith. There's all these, these, you know, these things, different names, different leaders, different stories, What's the credibility is actually how Jesus changed you. The, the difference maker, the thing that distinguishes what we would think is the faith of, in Jesus, the biblical God, is he can change our lives. Uh, I remember having a conversation with Luis Palau one time before he passed away, and he said, I know Jesus is real. He said, people ask me all the time, how do you know Jesus is real? And he said, I know he's real because he's answering my prayers and he's changing my life. And it's so simple, right? He didn't give this huge, like, apologetic answer. He goes, well, there's two really important ways it impacts my life that I can actually measure myself. He's answering my prayers, and he's changing my life. And what would happen if you started writing down some of the ways that that's happening? I mean, he gives us things like peace. Do you have more peace with Jesus than without Jesus? I hope so. You know, he gives us wholeness, like where we don't we're not gasping for psychological air all the time. We can, we can be whole and healthy in Jesus and not so needy so that then when an opportunity comes, we have something to give. Amen. That's the way he changes our lives. He brings us joy, all these things. But what's your story? There's this girl in our church named Stephanie, and she has a great story. She's actually our co-director of our recovery ministry on Thursday nights. And um, she came to faith in Christ because one night she 
got drunk and blacked out for like the hundredth time in her life and uh, woke up the next morning in somebody else's place and didn't know how she got there. And her friend showed her a picture of her getting in the car to drive. And she's like, I was driving last night. I mean, she scared her to death. And she realized she was at the end of herself. She had to change. She was completely addicted to alcohol and a total mess. And she gave her life to Christ, and he started cleaning her up, and he gave her power, and he give, he's given her total victory in this area. And she's somebody who now would say, my life's not perfect, but man, is it better. Amen. It is so much better. And so now, you know what she's doing? She is helping so many others find hope and help in Jesus from addiction, yep. you know, from their past, and uh, find hope. And that's what God wants to do through all of us. So I, I think I would just ask you this. is like, what's your story? Do you even know your story? Could you prepare that as you plant these seeds, you begin with prayer, you listen, you eat, you serve, that when the moment comes, you can share that story? My wife's grandfather was a, a, a sergeant major in the Marines. His name was... Sergeant Major Woodrow Barfield, and you had to say it like that. He was a tough man. Uh, he, was a, he was a bitter man. He was far from God, and uh, she prayed for him every single day. I remember when we got married, and actually before we got married, you started praying for your grandpa every single day. And I remember when we got married, she told me, we're going to pray for my grandpa every single day to find Jesus. And so we did, every day. And he got sick. I mean, his thing was, I've, I'm too bad for God to forgive me. God could not forgive a guy like me because he'd done some bad stuff, not only in the Marines, but otherwise. And he said, God could never forgive me. I've done too many bad things. And so, of course, she said, Papa, God can forgive anybody, you know, and, and really was a great example to him. But still, he, he, he kept God at a distance. Then he's on his deathbed in Southern California. And Melissa and her mother have an opportunity to fly down and to visit him on his deathbed. And so they go into the room, and they're having a conversation, and there was that moment. I don't know if you ever had that moment with somebody where the light bulb comes on, and it's almost like you're sitting at a traffic light, and it's been red forever, and it just goes green. And she's like, ah, it's, it's the moment. And Papa was open. And they got to lead her grandpa to Christ on his deathbed. And he made a profession of faith, and he believed in Jesus. And he gave, it was like the thief on the cross, you know? It was that last moment, but thank God he did it because she was ready. And that's how God can use you and I. So I want to pray with you, and I want to give you an opportunity to, to think through, like, where's God taking you in all of this? What is your next step in all of this? Have, have you been on that journey where you know that God's going it's, to, it's only a matter of time, you're going to hit that S the light's going to turn green. There's somebody in your life. There's somebody you've been praying for that's on your list. The light's going to turn green. You want to be ready, so commit yourself to knowing your own story, being willing to share your own story. Don't be like Prince. Don't wait and miss the opportunity. Don't leave all that stuff in the vault. Your life is too valuable for that. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you show us how to how to be a part of your good news through the stories of the New Testament. We ask that today you would embolden every single person here 
God, that even those watching online would see that you've built them with a purpose and that their life can be so significant. And so we ask that you would open up these opportunities for us this week. God, make our hearts ready. Make us willing and committed to to actually do the work to prepare our story so that we can share our story. Lord, I pray for um, those who struggle with, with having the boldness and the confidence that you would show them the value of what you've done in their life and that they'd be so willing to share that with other people and that you just line those opportunities up and we'll know that we can trust you to do that. I do want to ask, Lord, that, that if there's brothers or sisters who are here that don't know, they couldn't point to a time when you changed their life. They couldn't say, this is when I met Jesus. They're not sure about their story. I pray that today, this would be their moment to clarify their relationship with their creator, to actually come to that point of saying, I know that I'm God's child. Jesus said these words. He said, if anyone believes in me, I'm going to give them the power to become the children of God. And if you've never said yes to Jesus, I want to urge you to tell him now. Come to that point now. Picture yourself before standing before him now, and he's going to put mud on your eyes, and he's going to let you see. Maybe for the first time in your life, you're going to know that your sins are forgiven. You're going to know that he hears you when you pray. You're going to know that you have a seat at his table. You could tell him in your own life and in your own heart, you could say, Jesus, today I'm believing in you. I want to turn from my past. I want to turn to you. Thank you for being my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, you guys. I want to encourage you to respond on your gen card. And if today you said yes to Jesus, one way you can respond is write that word yes on the back of your gen card. Turn it in, and the staff here will will help you take your next steps. Thank you so much. It's been great to be with you. Thanks, Dave. If you said yes to Jesus, we want you to take that step, not just inwardly, but outwardly, and be immersed into Jesus. And so we have the baptistry. It's not filled up. So if you want to say yes to Jesus and get dunked today in the most holiest of ways, we hope that you decide to say yes to Jesus inwardly and outwardly and do just that. I love what it said in that passage, that once he was clean, the, the, the pool was sent. This is one of the reasons that each and every week we pray a final prayer to know that you are sent where you live, work, and play on behalf of Jesus. And so today, I'm just going to pray this prayer. I'm going to pray this prayer for you. If you want to say it with me, feel free to say it with me. Know that you do not have to. But I want to pray this prayer with us and for us so that we know that we are sent on behalf of Jesus. And so as we close, may we pray this prayer. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Through this reality, may you live your faith every day, everywhere. May God's family expand and grow. May your motivation be because of Jesus living out his story. May you make his ways be known and then live for generations to come. Amen. You are loved. You are sent. Have a fabulous week.